One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Mark Packham. Hello there. Jay Cross. That's my name. And Matthew Knight. Hello there. Yes, that's right. And welcome back, listener. Welcome back. We are, of course, remote podcasting again this week. Welcome to our our self-isolation podcast. We hope you are staying safe and self-isolating as well. This is great, actually. I, I I didn't have to make anywhere near as much dinner as I normally have to make. No, exactly. You didn't Don't have lie. to make You made food. exactly the same amount. And, <laughs> and you're eating all. You're going back for thirds and fourths. <laughs> I know you, Jay Cross. I kind of miss my sort of... Oh, scene! I miss like being able to raid Jay's booze cupboard on a weekly basis. This is... Uh, yeah, you have I, to pay I, for I your own booze. I know it's ridiculous. I've had the same amount of uh, the same amount of beers delivered, you know, this week as I did last week, and I've just I'm I'm, I'm drowning. I'm drowning oh. in cans of old peculiar or whatever it is that you drink. <laughs> I've got to say, I do miss I do miss like turning up at yours, and there's like a lasagna there, which is clearly uh, has the capacity to feed about ten people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's only four of us normally, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm missing not automatically having seconds with every dinner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that and you know, you just what, what do you make? Like canned rice and canned chicken. <laughs> I did have that for lunch today. That's right. <laughs> oh, canned chicken? Not can canned. you get canned rice? <laughs> you canned probably can, bread. But you probably can. But, rice um, in a can? No, I just have rice in. No, not rice. rice in. That's bad for you. No, there's not enough <laughs> that already. Uh, yes, anyway, anyway, um, so <laughs> this week on the podcast, uh, we're actually doing a question special. Because is that, is that one of those ones where we say we're going to answer yeah, all the questions? No, no, actually, actually we bet, don't. I bet you we're, gonna, we're just going to talk about absolutely nothing for 45 minutes, well, and then you're going to no. go, oh, um, oh, here's, here's a question from Moog, and then we'll all say, <laughs> yeah, 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 and then that's it. No, I mean, no, to be we, fair, we, there's not going to be any news for months, potentially, so we might yeah. have to drag this out for Every, a very long time. This It's the year of the duck, the question duck, that is, because <laughs> oh, we're going to be doing questions... We're going to be hearing his chirpy cacaw every week. That's uh, cacaw. Well, or you know. chirp. Or but, chirp, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, chirpy was more of like his state of mind than the, uh, yeah, the sound. Yeah, the, the duck is happy that we're going to be answering his questions, or her okay. questions, uh, every week. It's going Good. to be wonderful. Um, but yes, anyway, before we, uh, before we get into that... Um, you know, if you want to ask a question, then you can do so on the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. And of course, at this point in the podcast, I would like to welcome our new patrons um, joining us on Patreon 
This week, Peter Kirk, Peter Carlson, Week of the Peters, and David Christiansen, who obviously didn't get the memo. But uh, <laughs> it's David, it's David week next week. Ah, exactly. But uh, but yes, welcome, welcome, you three. I hope you're enjoying your self isolation. Um, so I guess uh, I guess before we uh, before we crack into some questions, um, we should also talk about the fact that we we have. This is now the third week, but we've teamed up with Thorpey Effects, and we're giving away one Thorpey Effects Heavy Water Dual High Headroom Boost Pedal, highly ranked by all of the guitar nerds in last year's Gear of the Year, um, and an absolutely fantastic Make Gooderer. So entry is open globally, and all you've got to do is visit Guitar Nerds on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You can find the entry post and uh, simply answer the question, what's one piece of merchandise available for purchase on the Thorpey Effects website so you just need to visit thorpeeffects.com to find the answer to that we'll be announcing the winner on the 8th of april right here on the podcast um so you've got until monday the 6th of april to enter and let's face it we'll all have plenty of time to do that so uh so yes join the competition win an incredibly wonderful thorpe effects heavy water um but yes all right well before we uh before we move on to some questions um, I wanted to. Uh, you've moved around all the priorities thing. Okay, fine. I'll start at the top. Um, it's sorry. Someone is editing the the document that I use to know what I'm saying next. And that's <laughs> Who put a question helpful. mark on the teleprompter? In, in true Ron Burgundy style, <laughs> Joe is completely what? flummoxed by any small changes to this the is, script. This is very annoying. Right, I was looking for th- these. Okay, right. First of all, I want to talk to Matt Knight um, about increasing his boss collection because Matt, you, you bought you bought an, an uh, unusual new boss pedal this well, week. Well, um, oh, I'm just the worst. Um, <laughs> E- e- eBay um, is not your friend when you're at home all the time um, because you can actually start to... The, the key to eBay is always look at it all the time. And I find that you have to look for the listings that finish at stupid times because no one bids on them. And um, I was really after an FZ3, uh, which is a fuzz pedal that we made in the mid-90s. Um, that interestingly enough is the only boss pedal to not have uh, an IC. It is a completely through hole design classic um, pedal, if you will. There's no fancy components. It is literally just like basically it's a silicon fuzz face. Um, and I managed to get one at a, a reasonable price. Um, and then this morning I bought a made in Japan BF2 um, <laughs> because I just need to get all the. I need Wait, to get all is the, that the the base pedals. flanger. No, the base flat there is no. That no, it's is, just it's just called BF because of Boss Flanger, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is just Boss Flanger. Why isn't it too. FL? That is a bit weird. I, I don't know. I just, I've never I've never actually thought of it. I just. Because everything else, there's nothing else that begins with B, is there? Except for like Blues Driver, but that there's nothing else that's B for Boss. No, I, I never, never thought about that. I, there, I, I there is actually sure a base flanger. Yeah. Oh uh, right. Well, that's BF three has got a base input. Um, did we actually make a specific? I mean, the Boss bass pedals. Are, I think I think there is the a colour. specific ba- uh, base flanger, isn't there? Isn't it like brown? Yeah. BF two yeah. B. 
or not be F2B. Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, uh, yeah. What, you mean, is it brown and gold, like those old Japanese yeah, ones? Yeah, there is a base flanger, the BF2B, 1991, I think. Um, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's an odd-looking pedal. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know, just really wanted a, a BF2. Because I, 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 I think it all started because um, I got sent a PH1R, uh, which was the early, not the first one, but the second version of the uh, phaser. Um, and obviously What's I've the been R get, stand for? Uh, resonance, because uh, okay. they put an extra resonance control on. Um, and then obviously I'd, I'd got a couple of things like I got the old FZ2 hyperfars and I'd been picking up these sort of these I guess slightly more odd boss pedals that seem to all be going up to ridiculous values recently and I was like yeah I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to get one and I missed out on one yesterday and then managed to pick one up today even cheaper um so yeah it's an old um BF2 all analog flanger runs on 12 volts the old classic boss ACA adapter um but yeah, I um, I just was just like I'm just gonna have to start getting all the start with you know while I'm here might as well just start getting the whole the whole boss collection all the good ones first you know so it was like the food it was like the Dan Electro food series you got to get the good ones first like the ones that are actually usable and then you know Matt you're talking about a flanger here like read the room. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I am a big fan of flangers. Cool. Oh, well, that's your uh, that's your your company then, Matt. <laughs> Well, you, That's you my audience a, right there. You run a flanger at a slow speed and you have like a tape saturation. Excuse That's, me, don't bring me into this. I don't run a flanger at any speed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you could go down the route, you know, with this sort of thing. Um, it looks like there are six different label colours as well. Um, so, you know, we could get the black, green, made in Japan or green, made in Taiwan, you know, pink, orange, dark grey. It's just, there's so much choice. You've got to catch them all. You've got to catch them all. Um so I didn't realise, Matt, and you might be able to shed some life, uh, light on this. I'm just looking at the uh, base flanger, the BF2B, um, and there's there were three base-specific pedals. It looked like they all came out at roughly the same time. Yes, the they did. The CE2B and the GE7B. Yes. Um, Worst colour ever. I've got you... the GE7B, and no. it's the best colour ever. The brown and gold looks awesome. Oh, have you? Yeah. I didn't realise that, because isn't there another base EQ as well? No, there's a... There's... A GEB7. Yeah, yeah. GEB7. That's and what, a GE7B. Yeah. Which one do I have? The you, you, there was one that came out recently, wasn't there? Not no, yet. I've, got, yeah, so I've got an old Japanese one. Yeah, that's yes. the, the brown one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the GE7B. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, gold, brown and gold. Very odd choice. Um, yeah, they did. A, I think there was a chorus, a flanger, and a EQ around that sort of time. <laughs> Are they the, the, all the, the essential? Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, honestly, all the essential. The holy trinity effects. of bass pedals. <laughs> are they? Are they the only boss pedals that have been released at the same time that are all the same color? Uh, yes. Yeah, that was a specific bass range. Yeah. Um, bass. Weird. Very weird. I was really um, into it. That EQ stayed on my board for absolutely years. I used it as a drive. It was because you could just because it had like a, a like a level boost on the end. So you could just you could just boost all the mids, crack up the level, and it would just collapse the gain stage of your amp, and you got like a lovely fuzzy drive. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you Maybe go. That's very good. Yeah, you know, get it back on the board. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm after some of the kind of boss rare. I mean, at BF2 is not necessarily a rarity. We made it for twelve years, but kind of wanted the the first uh, made in Japanese version to go with some of the other made in Japan. Um, 
pedals I've got. And the one I'm after, and they never, ever come up. And I only saw one, even one, when I was in Japan. And that's the PQ4, um, which was the first and only boss pedal to have four in the name. Um, and it was a parametric EQ. Very weird. Didn't make many of them. Um and I'd imagine they've probably all sold out after a couple of years ago. The guy that recorded Queens of the Stone Age Songs of the Deaf was like, oh, this is the exact effect that uh, Josh Homme used on all of his guitar tones for Songs of the Deaf. And everyone was like, definitely not going to sell it now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm just sort of on a bit of a quest to just um, hunt around and um, pick up some some oddities from the boss range maybe i'll get the xt2 extortion it seems to be like (laughs) the mid 90s were like a key time for weird boss pedals because like it feels to me like boss had made all of the obvious things and then they went oh yeah pedals you know are not quite you know in the mid 90s pedals weren't what they are now so it kind of just feels like they were kind of going oh mate what do we make next i don't know parametric eq three bass pedals yeah sure (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was, and I think, yeah, like you say, it was just a weird time for pedals in general. I mean, there's just, there's just so much, there's so much weird boss stuff out there. Um, yeah, and it's the same as like I've said it for boss, I said it for electroharmonics. It's like someone needs to do a, a book that catalogs absolutely everything that boss and Roland have ever made. I saw a video with a guy on YouTube that picked up a, I think it was a boss. It was because boss branded some products or should i say roland branded some products boss that you wouldn't necessarily associate with guitar so i think there was like a boss zip drive um at one point yeah because we made the we boss made all the digital recorders so there was a boss zip drive um but we also did like a like what are they called like the old remember in like the late 90s early 2000s everyone had like a digital file of facts what were they called Everyone oh, like a it. personal organizer. Yeah, personal organizer, but it's a boss MIDI personal organizer, which has got like an inbuilt tiny keyboard on a touchscreen. That sounds amazing. So you can like program MIDI notes and output MIDI into your sequences. You get, but it's got some inbuilt sound, so you could like be on the bus and be like, "Oh yeah, I've got this great melody. I'm just gonna like draw it into my like <laughs> little boss handheld." organizer and then i'm going to get home and she's going to midi out and then yeah i'm going to go straight into my keyboard and you know there's so much bizarre stuff i think when technology just took that like boom and everyone was like oh my god we've got to make as much stuff as possible well on that note do you remember do you remember uh the orange opc mm-hmm. the, when orange made a computer yeah yeah so weird. It, it wasn't even that long ago. It was uh, 2010, I think it was. Still uh, Orange, have, Orange have made weirder products than that, though, Jay. I mean, it's, uh, a, it's a computer. N- Orange made a digital whiteboard. What? No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Orange made a Isn't digital... Isn't that also just a computer with paint yeah. loaded on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they did. They made a digital whiteboard for education purposes. Wow. Oh, no, I do remember that. Yeah, it was yeah. really expensive. The it? Orange yeah. Music Board. I believe yeah, that's right. Called. You, could, you could draw music notes on the, on the stave that was kind of built into the framework of the whiteboard and then you know it would play those notes it was uh, uh i think this might actually still even be available 
Oh, even better, <laughs> even better. Everywhere, e- listeners, everywhere. I implore you to go out and buy the orange um, whiteboard. I thought it was the best product, the best thing, maybe ever. <laughs> Didn't make it into gear of the decade, though, did it? No, no should have no. done. Should have done. Sh- that was we, a. Um, yeah, I think um, we maybe we should do weirdest gear of the decade. Just all the stuff that definitely isn't gear of the decade, but is. Well, totally like weird. line six variaxes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like that. that. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you if you want to also go down, just lastly, weird boss thing, the EH2 enhancer. Um, basically, if you ever watch a demo of it, doesn't do anything. What? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's really weird. Again, I think it was aimed at like slap bass players. To... Wait, I remember the limiter enhancer. They did the no, limiter. Yeah, enhan- this is this is just the enhancer version. This was came out before the limiter enhancer, and it basically just adds a bit of top end back into your sound. Oh dear! Um, wow. Yeah, for those people that need to play slap bass. I mean, we sold it for seven years, so <laughs> evidently there were enough of them. Yeah. Um, well, so. uh, on the on the topic of pedals, last week we also uh, we we talked about the origin effects. Um, revival trem um, that we got, and I had a go on. That was that was really good. We obviously we spoke about that last week, but there were two other pedals that I hadn't got rounds to having a go on, uh, which they'd sent round. So we got the uh, the Cali seventy six compact deluxe, which is the deluxe compact pedal version of their um, their studio style compressor, and we got the revival drive compact, which. Um, which is their small version, again, compact in the name, of the Revival Drive, which was that massive drive pedal that had like a billion rotary controls on it. Yeah. Um, 26 controls. Yeah. It's, it it's sounded, For a drive pedal. I mean, yeah. that's even beyond It was <laughs> beyond. It me. was a Excuse little me. bit... Oh, bless you. It was, definitely, um, it was definitely slightly overkill on the controls on the original Revival Drive. Um, for me, I like the simplicity. So I, but I love the sound of it. So it's fantastic that they've popped this into a, uh, into a compact, of some form. Um, so it's just their their standard like six control compact. And listener, if you've ever seen like an Origin FX pedal, they're brilliant. They're slightly longer than a normal pedal. They weigh an absolute ton, and they're like in a big proper. I think it's regular size. Yeah, it's they're a bit long. They're a bit long. Oh, oh I see. I I understand. <laughs> I gotcha. You, you because you're tall. Wonderful. All right. Okay. That's great. But yeah. But it was. Uh. But it was really, really good. Really good as a as a drive pedal because yeah that 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 control that everyone wants a blend, and it's just uh you know the whole thing is a completely analog pedal which is designed to, uh, designed to react like a like a valve amp would. Um, I was a, a very very big fan of it, and and the same the, the same thing that they'd popped on their revival trem, which is the uh, the post drive EQ controls that you can you you can toggle between three settings depending on what type of amplifier you're using. But I thought it sounded absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I think um, what's interesting is the revival drive basically is. It's trying to replicate the way a valve amp behaves at circuit level. So rather than just like, this is a Marshall-style drive or whatever, this is like, the idea, I think, is that inside the circuitry is what it's doing to the guitar signal is replicating what the preamp basically does inside a guitar amp. Um, And it's pretty nuts. I think the way they go about it and how they do it and all the components they use... 
like if you just have to look at the full size one to go I mean I think it's even got like the full size one's even got like ghost notes and stuff like the over harmonics that you get when you hit like certain notes I mean it's pretty it's pretty full on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 absolute sort of the original one is proper molecular level building your drive. Um, I love the simplicity of this one because it meant that I was able to crack out. You now I do the same thing with any drive. I just try and get like a really nice low drive, um, you know, sort of low gainy drive setting on there, like an ampy kind of thing, transparency thing. And this does it very very well, but it also does that really like you can really punch the gain and it gives you that really muddy fuzzy um sort of floppy speaker sound um that i love about kind of vintage style amp drive so yeah really super cool pedal and obviously the compact deluxe kind of their their compressor their their standard compressor um again the thing that makes the the origin effects compressor so good is the fact that they've got that dry mix um, yes, yeah, I, you, parallel you just, comp- compression. Yeah, I, yeah. Ju- I just think that makes it makes such a difference nowadays. Like, I, I've, I was, I mean, my kind of disinterest in compressors has been well publicised. But when you can blend in your dry signal, it does make a difference. I think. Yeah, and I had yeah. one of these, and I thought, you know, it just it sounded great. It sounded really. Oh, really you had good. one of these. See, I've got. I use the until recently. I used the the bass compressor. Um, but the difference between the bass compressor is it has the attack and release uh, control moved into a single rotary, and then the last control, the sixth control, you get is a um, uh, like a, a low pass filler um, that you can kind of you can excuse your low end from being compressed because that's kind of the thing that you want to to ring I, I, I would like to excuse my low end <laughs> excuse my low end <laughs> um but yeah but on the on the standard one you've you, you're controlling your attack and your release separately and then what i like is you're controlling your in your you've got like an input and an output so you can get the compressor to actually act in as kind of a a, a make good or a preampy sort of slightly gainy thing. I I just think they're absolutely, you know, the best of the best when it comes to compression. They're very very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fully replicating a UA eleven seventy six, isn't it? It is like which is the <laughs> ultimate studio compressor. And ultimately, yeah. that's what people want a lot of the times with compression. Now, you know, they don't want the squidgy like mega compressed like country twang they want basically i want everything to sound like mega produced like a pro studio that's it and isn't that's it what it's yeah you. yeah it's just making everything sound a little bit more tinsely um now jay cross we've been meaning to talk about this for weeks um and we just haven't got round to it so we should talk about it now um you brought home a fender lead uh the other day that we were all gonna that we all had to go on and we were going to talk about on the podcast but we we're going to leave it for a, for a week or something because we had too much other things to talk about <laughs> and now we can't all see each other so we don't get to have a go on it anymore yeah so the lead uh lead two and three uh reissues were announced at nam <clears throat> uh earlier this year which feels like a million years ago but yeah it was only about two months ago that we were that well me and matty were over there but uh, yeah, the the lead series is a is a reissue from some guitars that were originally launched uh, between seventy nine and eighty two. I think it is was the uh, the original releases, and um, the lead two and three are 
part of the player series. So they're in that kind of like five, six hundred pound mark, I guess. Um, and they're really cool. They're really fun. They look kind of like halfway between a Strat and a Tele. Uh, so they're double cut. Um, but the um, like pretty simple. So you've just got two pickups in there. The lead two is two single coils and the lead three is two humbuckers. Uh, you've got uh, with the lead uh, three, so with the two humbuckers, you've got uh, a three-way selector switch, and then you've also got another switch which allows for uh, coil splitting. Um, and the lead two is a uh, three-way selector switch, and then you've also got a two-way selector switch for uh, putting the pickups in and out of phase. So you can get that kind of Peter Green sound if that's what you want as well. Um they come in a bunch of very cool colours, especially the lead two. You can get in like a slime green. Really uh, unusual colours for Fender. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the point is, is that like the, you know the player series as a whole is just kind of, um, it's it it doesn't take itself as seriously as maybe the standards used to. Um, so, you know, there are kind of fun colors that, that come out every now and again, even just for a short period of time. Um, and like there was some shell pink player strats that came out a little while ago and, you know, there's just like some mad stuff going on. And I think it works, especially with these guitars, because I mean, look, at the end of the day, the lead is never going to be anybody's first guitar, is it? It's going to be another guitar that you have because you want something a little bit different, a little bit fun. So why not get it in slime green or in purple metallic uh, <laughs> if you want the lead too? So, yeah, they're really cool, really fun, really easy to play. Um, yeah, Super I, 80s. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's... 80s is vintage now mate you know it's yeah, we're, yeah. we're we're all getting into that uh we're all getting into that area but yeah no they're they're hardtail uh they're, they're great for um you know the the bands who they've got promoting them at the moment i think i saw it was um fontaine's dc uh who are a band who people are really into at the moment um they're like a kind of pop Dublin post-punk band, I guess. Uh, but they've been picked up by Six Music and people are really into them. So cool to see them doing something with those guitars. And yeah, just really nice and fun, interesting guitars. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't recommend going into a shop and trying one just yet because, you know, the shops are closed. <laughs> so, <laughs> But um, the videos are really cool. It's worth checking out because yeah, um, they, they were they're very, cool. very fun. They're yeah. really, really fun guitars. And uh, yeah, like you say, I, I brought one over, um, I don't know, it must have been six weeks ago. And uh, yeah, we just plugged it in and it sounded great. Felt Jay, great. I hate to say it, but I think that was three weeks ago. Yeah. It wasn't three weeks it ago. Was. It was. It was the last time we were together and we podcasted, which wasn't, obviously not this week, wasn't last week. It was the week before that. Crikey. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. feels like it's been about two years, but what, yeah, it was three weeks ago. What did you think ago. of the lead, Mark? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, they're a pretty quirky little thing, obviously. And um, yeah, I like what they're doing in terms of, you know, different pickup combinations and stuff and a few different options. Obviously, the colours are amazing. Um, and yeah, for someone who's looking for something a bit different, you know, something that essentially feel-wise doesn't stray too far from just like a regular Strat, or, you know, modern Strat or Tele neck feel. Um, yeah, something definitely different. Yeah, a nice little uh, nice little addition to the roster. Yeah, yeah. Fender um, are really expanding really fast at the moment and kind of it feels like they're bringing out everything out of their old catalogue. 
Yeah, there is a bit of that coming on, isn't there? Which is uh, which is cool. So just just having a look on the on the Wikipedia page, just because I wanted to make sure I got the dates right. Um, the lead series did indeed run from seventy nine to eighty two. So the lead one, which there isn't a reissue of, is just a single humbucker. Um, then lead two uh, is the uh, the two single coils. That's seventy nine to eighty two as well. The lead three only came out in was only available in nineteen eighty two. And there's a there's a really nice little summary of that guitar on the Wikipedia page here. It says lead three nineteen eighty two, two humbuckers, one at the neck. The other at the bridge. <laughs> okay, fine. One There's the also neck, the other the, one behind the bridge on the headstock, <laughs> something like yeah. that. There's also a nice little, uh, a, a little um, peek behind the curtain here. Uh, the lead bass. Um, an instrument that never went into production, but there's a oh. photo of a 1979 prototype in the 1990 book The Fender Bass, wow. uh, which features two slanted single coil pickups and has a 34 inch scale length. So yeah, something that I didn't know anything about. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Really, really interesting. Oh, I, I wonder. Oh, I really hope they actually make that bass now. I hope yeah. the lead is popular so they make that bass. That's what we want more Fender bases that's right yeah absolutely now uh, this um this week because yeah if you noticed how lots of companies are starting to make their their software um available for free for for everyone because everyone yeah, loads of plugins and doors and mm-hmm. like loads mm-hmm. of things for free because yeah, yeah, yeah people got not much else to do Exactly. There's the there's like the Korg Chaosolator, there is the Moog, their model D. Um, and then two notes. Matt, two notes released something. I didn't quite catch this, but you did. Yes. Um, let me find, because it's worth mentioning. <clears throat> uh, it was put up in the group as well. Um, two notes have something called the Torpedo Wall of Sound, which is a um, plugin um, that uses all of their cab modeling so that's cabs in different rooms really nice ui you know you can put a mesa boogie cab in a stadium move it around the stage move the microphone to different positions i think you can run up to four cabs at once um so effectively yeah i'll just give you a quick spec rundown the world's best speaker cab um, simulation for door so you've got eight power amps eight mics eq um runs on windows and mac and um, it's now totally free for life. They give away a free trial normally, um, but yeah, you get a permanent license for life if you sign up within the next thirty days. So yeah, Amazing. you can in one instance. This is crazy. So some of the specs here, you can mic up to twenty cabs inside a single plugin. Um, it's all stereo, so you can run different cabs to different um, speakers. You've got a whole bunch of presets. I think you can load in your own IRs. So obviously, I think there's hundreds and hundreds of the ones in there. Loads of different power amp simulations. So it's just like the all-in-one kind of solution for um, yeah, recording at home, especially if you're working within a plugin. Ugh, amazing! That's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, there've been there've been a load of stuff. Cherry Audio released their um, they have the, a modular synth which has something like a hundred and thirty individual modules that you can uh, that you can build and then you can virtually uh, wire patch cables, you know, across uh, to create your own custom synthesizer. Very cool. Normally retails at like one hundred and fifty quid, and they've made that free as well. 
So that that was that was tons of fun. So what I thought this weekend, I was supposed to be um, I was supposed to be in the studio with my band writing our next record, and obviously we couldn't do that. So I decided for the weekend to um, turn my house into a recording studio, and me and Emma um, I decided to try and record a record in two days across the Saturday and the Sunday. So I was I was actually exhausted by the end of the weekend. But the cool thing was I managed to do it all with kind of free stuff. Um, you know, that companies had made available. So like listener, if you you know, if you listen weekly, a few weeks ago we were talking about doors and um I spoke about Persona Studio One because Persona Studio One is a is a fantastic bit of software, but um uh it's a fantastic door, but it's available as as in Prime, they call it, which is a completely free version of Studio One, which gives you access to um, to all of the basics, plenty of built-in um, instruments as well, and uh, and yeah, it's it's really really good. So I decided to record using that, um, using any of the the free um plugins and bits and bobs that um that i was able to get hold of and uh we used a lot of emma's uh 1979 korg ms10 and uh a bit of a bit of greco rs90 but we we made a ridiculous record in in fact i wanted to get the chaosolator on it and the chaosolator app does allow you to, to record audio but i wanted to record like a solo a chaosolator solo which i needed it to last like um like maybe 40 seconds across across a section i couldn't record that amount of time on the chaosolator phone app so i bluetoothed it into my little marshall speaker and i mic'd up the marshall speaker <laughs> Right, Steve Albini. <laughs> Honestly, oh yeah, it was it, it was great. Which, of course, then because I was taking it in as as like a, a you know an um an audio track like that, I I could add loads of uh, loads of effects. Well, I guess I could have anyway on in the door, but I could mess around with it loads in the door as well. So uh, it it was great fun. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out for free. It can definitely only ever be for free. It's just a a 15 minute experiment in weirdness. But uh, but great oh, man. I, I thoroughly good. yeah I thoroughly recommend listeners make make a record with your self isolation time. You know why not? What a wonderful time to make weird music. It's irritating to me that the kind of music I make really cannot be made uh, at home, you know, um, because... Reinvent I, yourself, Mark. No, I just don't really like any other music. Like, basically, if it doesn't sound like the Ramones, then I'm not really that interested in making it. That's kind of the only thing that I like playing. Well, speaking about things that don't sound like the Ramones, you want to talk about a band. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about the Mountain Goats because I've kind of been getting into them uh, while I've, well, in the last couple of days, really. Um, but I think, you know, we said we were going to do a question special and we're over half an hour into this podcast and we've not ah. answered a single question. So I want to listen to yeah, it a little bit more and um, I will get back to you next week. I'm just okay. digging uh, the slightly distorted acoustic guitar sound of the Mountain Goats. But let's uh, let's talk about it next week. Very well, very well. Okay, well, in that case, uh, usher in the chant of the question duck. There it is. Um, it is time uh, for us to uh, answer some questions. This episode of Guitar Nerds is brought to you by Shergold Guitars and their latest electric guitar, the Provocateur. 
celebrated by Total Guitar Magazine as one of the most refined single cuts on the market with endlessly satisfying playability and a flawless set of tones. The Shergo Provocateur combines remarkable specification with a retro vibe for a unique and bona fide rock guitar. From the brand that once powered the likes of Joy Division and is now championed by modern guitar pioneers and so I watch you from afar and many others, comes a fresh and exciting range of electric guitars. Designed by legendary British guitar luthier Patrick James Eggle and featuring a roasted mahogany neck and a solid mahogany body loaded with USA-made Seymour Duncan pickups, it's easy to see why Guitarist Magazine officially voted the provocateur one of the best electrics of 2019. You can find your nearest Shergold dealer at shergoldguitars.com and if you're not in the UK, don't fear. Many UK-based Shergold dealers have super awesome international shipping options to guarantee your Shergold will make it to you in the most far-flung of places. Proudly stand out from the crowd and discover yours today at shergoldguitars.com. Shergold Guitars. Be your own original. So first up, uh, Dan on our, our Facebook group has asked, um, not wanting to make everything about the virus, but when you think about spending a lot of time at home in the coming weeks, what piece of gear are you excited to dig into and get to know better? Or what piece of gear um, are you going to panic by because, you know, lockdown is around the corner and it's now or never? Um, Matt Knight, first up. Um Oh, I really don't want to have to go down like the company voice, but I'm I'm going to. Obviously, um, we're spending a lot of time at home, and we still have work to do. I still have, um, you know, a lot of people that need training and stuff like that. So one thing I've done is I've um, brought home a few bits of key stuff. Um, so I've got a GT1000, which I um, have been digging into already. And obviously, I think I mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. One of my personal goals, development goals at uh, work is to record, uh, is to research and then record um, a track and build like a home studio setup so um i've got a little mixer and i've i've set the output of the mixer now to go into um my quad capture and i was just today was just messing around on my lunch break gt1000 um straight into an interface for recording um just into GarageBand, and i was like i haven't really done this for like years but it's been so interesting to dive into a multi-effects again and go can't rely on the way that I'm used to my two amps sounding or any effects and just sort of going, I'm going to like dial in some sounds that necessarily aren't me. And then I tasked a bunch of my other team who work with product across the rest of Europe to kind of create a bunch of sounds in different genres and stuff. So I'm sort of interested actually to just dive into a bit more product knowledge on our own stuff um but also i've got a couple of really nerdy guitar books that i, ha- I haven't read for ages um like analog man's guide to vintage effects which i'm going to read from cover to cover um <laughs> I, that's really funny so someone who i work with uh put that book up on instagram this week and i, I hadn't re- I, I hadn't thought about it for ages and I had a look and I, I hadn't realized how old it was yeah so that book came out in 
2000 or 2001 or something. It's yep. just like how much has changed since then? You know, I yeah. mean, it's just absolutely crazy. You know, you yeah. think about how many pedals now that we consider, you know, not necessarily vintage, but how many pedals you consider classics that just didn't that exist. Didn't exist. You know, carbon copy wasn't around then. You know, it's it, it's, yeah. it's so funny. It's well, so funny. What's also interesting is I also bought home Pedal Crush. Oh, did <laughs> which, you? Oh, which man. is the probably more up-to-date version. Um, so I'll definitely be digging into that. I think um, one thing I really want to understand more is just like circuitry and the design behind pedals and how pedals come together and how different components interact. So rather than just sort of like loads of different individual bits of gear, I just want to understand the inner workings of gear a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely interested in diving into Pedal Crush and it's beautifully laid out as well. It's um, an amazing yeah, book. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. It's a really excellent book. Yes. Um, Mark Packham, what about you? Uh, well, to be honest, I sort of don't really have much choice because I don't have an amp at the moment. Jay, as we know, has borrowed my Katana. Um, so I haven't really got anything here to play with. Like, I've got are you no gonna, Are you going to... Well, would you buy it? Would you use this time to get something? Well, I mean, the only thing that I might get is a set of the Katana headphones. Um, or, sorry, the Katana personal amplification device. Um, Thank you, sir. And uh, and jam along with some stuff. But actually, I think what I'm actually going to do is just try and write a load of music. And to me, for me, what that entails is sitting down with the Dan Electro that I bought because it's the kind of louder of the two electric guitars that I've got at the Which moment. Which is the, that's a DC-59, Yeah, DC-59, right? yeah, it's a 90s one. Um and just writing some songs. And to me, what that, yeah, the way that pans out is I'm just using notes on my phone and I just sit and record some bits. And what I really want to do is get a kind of album in shape for when all, when this all dies down and, you know, wow. we can finally get together and, and play music again and record something else. You know, just put out an album this year. Obviously, haven't really been able to do any gigs to support that yet. We had some stuff coming up in the summer, but I think that'll be off. Um, so. Yeah, I think the plan will be record some stuff, send it to the people who will be playing on it, um, and then when we can all get back together in a rehearsal, rehearsal room, it, like just jam it out and then record again quickly at the beginning of next year, maybe. Awesome. Jay Cross, tell me you're going to talk to me about some actual gear. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, so I've still got one of the Spire Studios here, um, and I, a couple of times, have gotten it out, and I've threatened to really have a proper go at it. Um, and I think I'm just I'm gonna do it at some point this week. Uh, well, some point over the next couple of weeks. So I've got that. I've also got uh, a couple of my. Well, I've still got all of those um, Roland boutique synths that I bought ages ago, never used, and then I put up on Reverb <laughs> uh, because I was like, look, I just I don't need these. I'm, I'm not. It's not gonna work. And then um, someone bought them and then never paid for them. So I got annoyed and just left them in a box. But I think I might just crack them out and just try and do something with them. You know, maybe I'll try and make a lo-fi pop record or something. Perfect time. Perfect time to make lo-fi pop records. Yeah. Perfect time for weird music. Yeah, totally. So we'll do that. And I've I've got loads of like stuff knocking about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I I think the main thing would be to try and have a go on the Spire Studio. Oh, the Spire. I mean, we mentioned it loads last year, but the Spire is such a fantastic yeah. piece of equipment. Yeah, Me yeah. and Matt were talking about it 
earlier. I actually I used one over the weekend to record a a ridiculous bit of piano where I I wanted the to create a, a natural binaural thing. So I used the spire and walked through the house whilst Emma sat playing the piano. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. What? Yeah. So the piano was. So the piano moves stationary, across. Stationary. Yeah, you, exactly. Okay. But, but how I did moved. you, was it just plugged into a really long extension lead? No, the the Spire's got four hour battery, battery life on it. Oh, so really? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. exactly. Right. So yeah, you it's can... gotten... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Eternal rechargeable battery. It's wicked. I, I was thinking about um, just taking it out and recording just some... Um, just some audio, like out yeah. and about. Like, I did that know, as well. In London, just doing a few bits. We get loads of robins and stuff in our garden. I wanted some bird sounds and stuff, so I plonked it out on our uh, on our bench out there and just got like uh, all the sounds of like wind and and the robins and stuff. And you know, just because if if you use that sound check thing, I know the sound check thing's obviously designed to interpret what instrument you're playing, but what it essentially does is adjusts the gain and compression for the for the track so if you know normally if you were using a, a handy recorder and there was wind you're going to get that that incredibly muffled you know sound when wind hits a, a mic but because it can kind of judge it in the uh, in the sound check element you get a really sort of clean take it's a it's really really wonderful piece of equipment uh, that wouldn't work for me because all I've got here are really loud seagulls so it's <laughs> yeah. uh, just horrible it could be a really good Really experimental record. Just run them through delay pedals. That's maybe pretty what much I'll what I. That is, is what I have done. Yeah, maybe what I'll do is I'll cover myself in bread and then I'll run down the street uh, with the Great. Spy Studio under my arm. Would well, there are and some get the uh, get capture the sound of seagulls picking pecking bread off of my body. The Spy <laughs> has some built-in space reverbs as well, so you can run it through that and it will sound fantastic. What you should do, Jay, is run the sound of seagulls through a wire pedal backwards to create the seagull effect and see what happens. <laughs> oh, that's oh, a great idea. No, that just sounds that. like a wire pedal at that point. Yeah. Now, yeah. With, uh, on on this question, I um, I think I'm gonna. I've recently got hold of a load of the the Meris stuff, which is a pedal brand that whilst I spent some time with at GAC, I think they'd only you know by the time I left GAC, they'd only released the Mercury Seven, which was their reverb, the uh, the Octobit Junior, which is their Octaver and sequencer. 
and um, maybe they just put out their delay, which was called the the Poly some Poly Moon, I think was yep, the Poly delay. Moon, yeah. But they they released uh, you know a handful of other things since then that I just haven't had a chance. Of course, the Enzo is the big one. Their their incredible synthesizer, which is here, and I do want to try it. But the pedal that most excited me that they released, I never got to try it, and it's turned up yesterday so uh, i'm going to really try to the thing with merit's pedals is you really do need to learn how to use them as well they take you know there's a learning curve with them is their hedra um i don't know if matt if you've seen this this is a pedal that they describe as a rhythm prism it's a three voice rhythmic pitch shifter so yeah it, it, it um you've got control of three individual pitches which you can use to create um a chord if if you want you know from you plucking a note or you can you can stagger them because it works in sort of short delay times uh, as well so you can get it to do you know that sort of boop, 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 you know that sort of thing but um but also you can run all of those um those pitches you can either run them in dual or series and there are two ways of running them in series, one of which runs them through the effects loop. So you essentially drive, uh, you you repeatedly drive the looping, um, shifting pitches. So you end up with this, like, uh, with like a, you could have a crystal clean first note, front end note, and then this, like, rapidly fuzz enhancing pitch movement behind it. I don't know if I explained that very well. Um, you know, on top of that, it has like this microtune thing, which you can use to uh, add like uh, some modulation so you can get it to sound chorusy. But if you take it to the extremes, then it tries to pitch correct what you are doing, which works really interestingly if you do something like just uh, just, you know, slide a, a note the whole way up the neck. So, you know, that's that's just going to be like, but it will it will turn that into like a perfect um uh, sort of, you know, seamless note slide that with a, a real sort of eight-bit sort of Mario gamer style sound. But it's such, it's just such an interesting pedal that seems like it can, it can do like a million different things, and all of them are crazy. Um, I really want to get stuck into it. I, I thoroughly recommend it, uh, listeners. Um, the Meris stuff, I think, for what it for what it does, isn't even you know that outrageously priced. Like Three hundred dollars for the for the Hedra. Um, and I think that I think that price, and we said it before. I think that's kind of the the new standard for like you know if we. It's difficult, you know, the term boutique gets thrown around a lot, obviously. But I think you know for a lot of these companies that that's the sort of that's the average. That's what you expect, really. I think now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. The, the know, dangerous what, dangerous thing about the uh, Maris stuff is like one's never enough. Do you know what I mean? Like you could you could definitely add one of these to a pedal wall, but you're you're definitely gonna be buying another one. Yeah. That's that's why you see all of these Chase Bliss boards that are just Chase Bliss pedals, isn't it? It's because people buy one and they're like, Yeah, cool, I've got my head around how this works now. Right. Next up, the 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 brothers or whatever, you know, and they just go people go absolutely mad for it. I think Meris are one of those companies who've really managed to in a very short period of time develop quite a cult following. Um well, they just—they uh, yeah. just seem to manage to consistently release really odd things. You know, the 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 Polymoon delay was was suitably bonkers. Like there was nothing, you know, conventionally functional on there. The I mean, the most normal pedal they made was the Mercury Seven, their their reverb, and that was only normal because it it came out at a time when you know 
weird outlandish reverbs were kind of becoming the norm. Um, but um, don't don't forget that obviously Angelo, the uh, lead, one of the lead designers for Meris, was obviously one of the lead designers and programmers at Line Six. So his main projects were DL4 and FM4. Right, um, I didn't realise that. Yes, yeah, you've probably so, told us that before. Um, so yeah, he's you know he was behind some of you know well I mean he was before helped the DL4. I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. when he made that, he was like, "Oh, there's a load of different things I could do." I mean, the, the Hedra, the easiest way, I guess, to explain it is, it's very much like the old Eventide rack units, um, the H3000, you know, uh, pitch, you know, where each delay repeat is running through a pitch shifter, basically. Um, yeah. But yeah, very, very cool stuff. High quality, good algorithms, super. Yeah, definitely worth getting hold of. Now, on to our next question. Mark Kadowaki asks, why does classic gear and styling continue to be so popular generation after generation? So many innovations have come and gone, uh, where Telly's um, Strats and Les Pauls were, sorry, were Telly's Strats and Les Pauls really perfect from the get-go. Um, yeah, so so there, there's there's the question, gang. What do we what do we think? Why why is this industry failing to really grab hold of new designs in the same way? For example, you, you know, in much the same way that the automobile industry is is grabbing hold of new designs. I think I or think fashion. cars. I think cars are a kind of a different uh, different example, really, because you know, y- yes, if you look back at the way that cars were built in the fi- and. Please don't get me wrong. I'm I'm no like rivet head, so I don't know a huge amount about cars. But my understanding is, cars in the fifties were, you know, the production means between then and now is very different. So it became a lot cheaper to make cars that look like, for example, a Ford Fiesta or well, a Volkswagen Golf or whatever, instead of a, uh, like a a hot rod or you know. A, Dodge Charger. I don't know. I don't don't know anything about 50s cars. But, you know, you think about that and then you think about, okay, well, what are the production methods made to use a Strat in 1956 in comparison to making a Strat in 2020? And the answer is basically nothing has changed. You know, sure, there's some bits that are pre-CNC'd, but by and large, it's still the same process. And the guitar world hasn't really had to innovate in that way because it's still made by an individual. And so innovation a lot of the time is forced by, uh, you know, cost cutting to, to a degree. And, you know, short of making square guitars, I'm not really sure what you can do to make making guitars cheaper. What well, I would say is as well, you're, thing, you're this... shooting for different things. When you, well, when the evolution in guitars has happened, uh, sorry, in cars has happened because, those things have been necessary. You know, they need to be more safe. They need to be yeah, yeah, more yeah. efficient. In recent years, they need to be more uh, green. You know, they need to be uh, uh, less reliant on on um, non-renewable energy. Like, guitars don't need to do anything. Well, that, 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 that is true. I will agree with that. I think the one thing, the one similarity that I think works is is that cars, cars these days are, are made, all cars are made in a wind tunnel, which is why all cars essentially look the same. It's because they're trying to be 
um, you, you know, as aerodynamic as possible in order to make them as efficient as possible. In fact, that's king because efficiency is the number one thing for a car. No one's like, you know, people are trying to make them look good, but really you're never ever going to make anything look as good as a Hillman Imp Singer chamois, you know, uh, because you can't anymore, because you couldn't possibly make those angles, because you were limited by the fact that you were in a wind tunnel, because you're trying to make something that is that is that makes the most sense to use. Whereas with a guitar, we could do that. In fact, people do do that. Do you not think that's what Strandberg are aiming at with things like the Endure well, Neck and stuff like that, 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 that encourages perfect form? That guitar encourages us to play better, to play more properly but, and to, but, to be better. But that's the, also, the, the difference is subjective. How do you measure that? You know, how do you measure uh, like... A guitar, a guitar can't help you play well, through technical ability. Like it's, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, but that's car... not down, that's not down to the guitar though. A very little of that, I would say, is down to the guitar. That's down to the player. You know, it's like what the end product of it is the music that comes out of it or the playing that comes out of it, and that's down to the player. That's not down to the guitar. Um, and what I think. Is yeah, the, I mean the difference with cars, which was actually in the initial email. You know, um, uh, Mark said like, you know, we're not driving Model A's anymore. Why is music get different? Um, I would say that it's all about the end product. You know, that a car. Yeah, again, you can't have a Hillman Imp anymore because that's not a safe car to be driving around anymore. You can't make a car like that. Whereas like guitars, you do whatever you want, and it turns out that most people want things to basically just be a telly or a Les Paul. The, the weird thing is but but cool. if if there could be a guitar made that will that will help you that is more comfortable, you certainly would admit that, you know, that some some guitars are less comfortable to play than others. If we can have guitars that are going to That's subjective though. That's completely subjective because you know it depends on what you what feels best for you that's you know there's not it's not like you can't put that to the test in the way that you can put a hillman imp versus yeah you, know, you can't put something Ford in a fiesta you know like you can say okay if you crash at 60 miles an hour in a hillman imp you've got a whatever percentage chance of dying versus in a modern ford fiesta you've got x chance of dying it doesn't work like that but i guess you could look at things like um you, you know like quality of sustain and and things like that you know yeah, there, again, there are that's subjective like some people don't want a guitar to sustain for ages well i don't i don't want a car that's you know that's made in a wind tunnel but you know i don't get the choice if i want to buy a of course new you car can. you could buy an old one well yes yes Joe, exactly you can't drive no i know i know but it doesn't it doesn't change <laughs> why, the fact that i love are, cars why are you arguing about something that you can't drive it doesn't matter <laughs> no sure and but... i'll have you know that my four fiesta is absolutely wicked so you know. <laughs> okay okay fine yeah I, I don't drive because cars these days look rubbish and it's too expensive to uh, insure old ones no that's not true i don't drive because i'm lazy i think but... you don't drive because you would need to not drink occasionally yeah yeah that is why what are you saying matty I think for me, it's just down to that people keep using them. You know, yeah. you know the, technically, the Les Paul standard was discontinued because no one bought it after 1960. But then loads of people started using them and everyone is always chasing after, you know, that that dream, their, their ideal image of, of their favourite player. And I'm sure if everyone could, they would all buy their classic... If you're into classic cars or you're into racing cars, you would all buy the racing cars that could but it's not physically possible you know whereas a guitar you can be into Jimi hendrix and still buy a strat you know they're, they're just it, if they weren't if people just went oh actually no if no one 
played them anymore, then we probably would just move on to something else. Well, maybe, maybe it, it, you know, we do need a modern guitar hero then. You know, if people are buying the guitars that's, that, that the their thing, heroes have played, you know, that's why Sunburst Les Pauls are popular because, you know, think about the big names. You've got Slash, White Strats. People still love, people love Jimi Hendrix. You know, th- these guitars are popular because of the people that played them. Yeah, but and the, if the we problem look, is, the problem is that modern guitar heroes still play those guitars. Totally, so. totally. And, you know, that's the thing is, is there going to be someone who's going to break out from that? You know, is... Um, uh, well, you've got examples like Steve Vai, and, you know, who, who play you know, the yeah, more modern I mean, guitars. Maybe, but I mean, Steve Vai isn't Slash, you know. It's, it, just, it just goes to show you, though, that like the, technolo- the technology argument is completely flawed. When people say like, oh, you know, we're not uh, driving old cars anymore. Why are we playing these old guitars? It's like, well, you know, Steve I plays a lot of notes and he's got a guitar that at the time was very technologically advanced or, you know, whoever you want to point to now, Tosin Abassi or whatever. But then you've still got people like Ingve Malmsteen, who one of the most technical players ever. What does he play? Plays a Strat. Yeah. So like the, techn- the technological argument is basically pointless. It doesn't matter. It's just like those guitars are still popular because they're still cool and people still like them. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, moving on to the next question. Robin Smith asks very simply, um, what's the best all-in-one drive solution? Let's go around the room. Matt Knight. All-in-one drive. I mean, yeah, all-in-one drive. What do you think is the best drive that you can buy that will, that, you know, for you? We can only speak about are, this personally. Are we, are it doesn't saying... have to be versatility. It doesn't have to be a drive that... Well, I guess maybe... Do you think that's what all-in-one yeah, all means? Yeah, all-in-one drive, yeah. A, ver- a versatile drive. A drive that can do everything from transparent stuff to, sort of, you know, near near fuzz. That's what I want. Um, well, I mean, Chase Brith Brothers, technically, I think if you if you went for uh, on, you know, on uh, paper on uh, spec on paper is what I was, uh, was trying to say um, technically you'd look at something like the brothers because it is a transparent overdrive a distortion and a fuzz um, obviously you could look at things like OD200 which is mainly well it's a hybrid digital analog does a similar thing um, I mean you could even go down the route of like I, I mean you could go down the route of things like HX effects, you know, it really depends what you want. I mean, there's the reason I want that, you to pick one drive pedal. Well, the reason I'm, I'm saying all of that is, to be honest, I don't think there's anything out there that covers all of that very well. I think it's very difficult to build in a circuit that will cover that huge gain range. And then, do you want presets? Do you want, or do you just want a gain knob that goes from transparent to fuzz? Which isn't going to happen technically. So really, Chase Bliss Brothers, because it's the only one that sort of covers all three, because it's got like different circuits in it. So that's what I would say. Mark Packham. Uh, I don't know really. Again, I, all-in-one drive solution is so, uh, it's so difficult because like drive is such a wide-ranging thing. You know, is like a blues drive. Can you get a decent result for like a bluesy drive right through to like, you know, some like ridiculous like death metal sound? Well, exactly. You can't. High gain drive exists on a totally different thing. I th- I think re- realistically you have to be choosing one or the other. 
Yeah, I mean that's I kind of agree with that. Um, in terms of the best solution, I mean I guess some of the origin effect stuff has got a wide range of uh, wide the revival range of drive is very good. Yeah, I mean it's certainly topical at the moment. Okay, so maybe rephrase it because I do think an all in one is something that's going to do high gain and transparent stuff is pretty hard to come by. If you were, what would you have if you had to have one drive pedal? What would you have? Just one drive pedal and nothing yeah. else. Uh, yeah, I mean I'd Absolutely. probably actually go for red beard effects red mist because I do think that is a kind of drive really? kind of platform almost it's, it's um, fantastic won't yeah. do those won't do those low gainy things though no i know well that's what i'm saying is i think there's a definite split here between kind of low gain subtle stuff then you sort of there needs to be a cut off and then it's like something that does the rest and for me like if i'm going to use a drive pedal then i would probably use something that does that because like I, I kind of feel like a lot of the lower gain stuff there are a lot of good solutions that you could get that from your amp and then the and an all-in-one drive pedal to me suggests something that is like okay, it needs to do something that's over and above most of the things that I can do with my amp already. So, yeah, I'm going to say the um, the Red Mist. I'll tell you another good uh, another good shout as well though that actually does cover quite a range um, is the MXR uh, Dookie Drive. Um, with the reason being that obviously it's got the two amp sounds built in there um, and it actually does handle fairly low gain quite well and then obviously goes. Uh, up to the kind of you know fully open cranked Marshall sounds, um, and surprisingly for a signature product, well I mean I guess both of the things I've talked about are sort of signature products, but yeah the the uh, Dookie drive in particular for a signature product actually does a very wide gamut of drives. Mm, J Cross. Well, I mean I I'm gonna struggle with this one because the pedal that I think is. My favourite drive on the, on the market at the moment is the Pugilist, the Fender Pugilist. So I'm not going to talk about that because people will get bored of me talking about it. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a list of um, uh, on the Toman website the top five selling distortion pedals uh, that they sell currently. So uh, number five is, which you know maybe doesn't answer the question, but uh, is quite funny and a nice little glimpse into the world of what people are buying. Um, number five is uh, probably my second favourite drive pedal on the market at the moment, the TC Electronic Mojo Mojo. Take oh, a drink. Oh, for goodness sake. Um, number four is the Electro Harmonics. Anyone t- care to take a guess? Soul Food. Nope. Uh, That's Big right. Muff. It's the Ram's Head Big Muff. Right. <laughs> uh, number three is the Boss DS1. Uh, number two, uh, the second biggest selling distortion pedal on Toman right now, the Behringer SF300 Super Fuzz, which, of course, there's only one space left. What do you think is the top selling distortion pedal on Toman at the moment? I hate people. Uh, Fender Pugilist. Joe? I don't know. Matt, what are you saying? Biggest selling uh, distortion It's going to be pedal. something stupid, isn't it? It's going to be something cheap. Uh, it is not something... I mean, you know, cheap is relative. It's it's not a Behringer SF300 Superfuzz, though. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The biggest selling distortion pedal on time and right now is that classic drive sound, Proco Rat 2. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, Still no. 69 quid, which is exactly the same price it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago when I started working at GAC. They've wow. probably been 69 pounds the entire time that I have been, yeah. uh, I've been involved in any of this. Yeah, yeah it's never crazy. changed. Absolutely never changed. Uh, recession proof. 
Mm, yes. Now, for me, um, I, I, there are there are two drive pedals that I think do a really really good job of you know pretty much everything. Um, the full tone OCD, um, I think, is you know the the best sounding drive pedal. That's number seven uh, on the list. Just so you're is aware, it? Yep. is it? Well, it's a fan. It's a fantastic pedal that can do everything from sort of transparencies to, um, to you know, to real sort of fuzzy fuzz stuff, and um, a, a very similar sounding pedal. In fact, it's basically because I like the sound of the full tone OCD, the Walrus Audio um, three eight five that uh, Mark, yeah, you were a pedal. big fan of a few years ago when uh, when we included it in the gear of the year. Great pedal, really good pedal. Yeah, absolutely. Both fantastic. Right. Um, next question, and I think this is going to be our, our last uh, for this episode, boys. Uh, Andy McKenzie asks, <clears throat> well, he says, I am on the hunt for a strat. What should I be trying? I can't do custom shop money, so £1,000 max. I tried to play a series and it was just okay. Wow, I'm surprised to hear that because um, I mean, as I as you heard me say before, I uh, I absolutely love the player series. Me I too. I th- I thought the player strat, and and bear in mind, I really went into that player series being like Fender are rebadging an old unpopular series, yeah. you know. But um, it was absolutely fantastic, completely fantastic the uh, the player strat which makes it slightly awkward to kind of recommend but i guess if we can go up to a thousand pounds we've got a bit of a broader yeah i was just having a look and seeing how much the performers are which would be the or the vinteras i guess if you're looking at strats i mean the let's have a quick look here uh, this is a uh, man looking on the internet. Okay, so 10.49. So a little over the budget, but I'm sure that uh, your local guitar shop would do you a deal. Um, the American performers are very good guitars. Uh, they have got the new uh, Yosemite pickups, um, which were uh, designed uh, like basically to take over from the um, Texas specials, which were in the old American uh specials uh which were great guitars um i i mean i think they're great they've got the big headstock which is something that i always really like but uh yeah i mean i i i, I personally i and i know i shouldn't be saying this but i i just think the the players are wicked i i really do in terms of the amount of guitar that you get for the money um I, for what five hundred quid or something? I just think they're fantastic. They Absolutely are, they fantastic are. and a great like platform as well. A great place to jump off. What and the, um, if you do want to do some mods afterwards, you can. What are the Vintera options? So Vintera, you've got fifties um, and sixties, and uh, there is some seventies models as well. Um, so just a, a quick refresher on the Vintera series. Basically, they took over from the classic and the classic player series. Uh, they were all rolled into one. So the uh, what was the classic player series became uh, the Vintera mods. So there's the fifties mods and the sixties mods, and uh, the classic series became just the standalone Vinteras. So uh, the differences there are you've got, um, uh, so on the strats, you have got an S1 switch, which brings in the neck pickup in any position. Um, So that is on the 50s and the 60s. Uh, I'm kind of 
racing back uh my memory trying to think about what else is on there um the mods have got like a uh kind of a classic orange tint to neck um the 70s are really cool i mean it's probably not gonna be your first strat i would say because they're you know they're coming three different shades of brown um they have got a three bolt neck joint big headstock again which i like but not everybody does um yeah, I mean, I don't know really. I, the 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 Vintera stuff is really good. Um, I think that the uh, the the tellies probably outshine the strats from that series from from my personal point of view. Uh, but that's because I still think that the uh, the Vintera fifties Montelli is the best guitar you can buy for under a grand. Uh, <laughs> but that's a discussion for uh, you know every other day. I've yeah, got a lot of absolutely. love for the uh, the seventies. What used to be the kind of Mexican classic seventies, yeah. and now is the Vinteras. The um, the guitar player from my band, he that was his first like proper electric guitar. Um, right. And there's just something about them that I still really like. Obviously, big headstock is the cooler option of the yeah. uh, of the two, um, but also just the neck profile. Neck profile is really nice, and they use a different kind of lacquer on there it's like incredibly sort of high gloss from what i remember um and you know for example the maple necks are it's not like a vintage tint or anything they're like really bright sort of clean maple and i always really like that um yeah. i thought that was cool can i um give a shout out for a, no- a shout out sorry for a uh <laughs> for a non sorry <laughs> uh, yeah indeed uh for a non fender guitar yeah, well, I was actually going to do that as well. So, yeah, go for it. Well, I thought I mean, you said he wanted a Strat. So, I, I assume we're going to talk about Squire. Uh, no, <laughs> I wasn't actually. For, uh, just to, to, because, you know, we, we've talked about them a lot. And, you know, that I've got a particular... Um, uh, they particularly appeal I to me. I know where you're going. Just because of how well they play, I'm going to bring up the Reverend Six Gun TL, uh, which is essentially Reverend's take on a kind of three single coil uh, S type guitar, although it's got their sort of signature offset body shape. Um, I haven't actually played the uh, the Six Gun TL, but I mean, to be honest, their ranges, the neck profile's the same on all of them, the body shape's the same, and you kind of just interchange the uh, pickup configuration and whether or not it's got a trem um and the six gun tl looks amazing uh it's three single coils obviously uh with a trem on there that neck that is the same as all their guitars the setup setup will be great the fretwork will be great um and best of all it comes in avocado green if you want it to Uh, (laughs) with the with the roasted maple neck and it's um you know if you've been looking at things like the uh it reminds me a little bit of the avet young ibanez guitars uh, it's got that sort the of... The Yeah, the Talman guitars, yeah. But in particular, I think her guitar comes in a green colour, like a metallic green. This sort of looks like that, but obviously it's got, you know, just regular strap pickups and it's got that everything that we like about the Reverend feel. Uh, and they're yeah, not a lot of money. The, the one that I'm looking at right now is 879 quid. Wow. Well, I can go a couple of hundred quid less than that and include a hard case because... Um, Friend of the podcast, Joe Doe Guitars, now through Vintage, of course, offer their Salty Dog, which is a uh, which is a, a strat an S style guitar, uh, if you will, um, for five hundred and ninety nine pounds with a tweed hard case. It's a little that bit comes... more esoteric. The uh, going down the Joe Doe route. Definitely, definitely a weird choice, but I think really cool. If you if you're looking for a strat, maybe sort of if it's not as your main guitar, or if you just want something that's a bit interesting and a bit different, a bit unique, I think the Jodo vintage stuff is really cool. And you know, we know we know that vintage make 
great guitars anyway having sort of joe doe involved with that company i think is is fantastic and being able to produce things at that price point is amazing um so i think yeah the salty dog is definitely worth a look but yes as as mark said yeah a little bit weirder and then you know as we've got as we can go up to the thousand pound price point like you know why not look at some of those modern strat alternatives that are you know oh so popular at the moment things like the um uh, the ibanez az because they do do an ibanez az 224f which uh, is their az which comes with a plate so it makes it look even more stratty um and uh and yeah and and comes in at just under a thousand pounds and you can get that in like they do lovely that you get the lovely sort of roasted maple neck and they do um topaz burst which is do you mean topaz that's what i said yeah i was just inflecting (laughs) (laughs) quite a weird way to say it yeah fair enough but it's it's just a lovely flame maple top on there so if you want something that's gonna it's going to have all those wonderful modern features that we know the Ibanez AZ series comes with that's still stratty enough, then I think that is a very cool option. Uh, it is HSS, but it does you know, have a coil spit split, so you could make it sound plenty stratty. Matt Knight, do you want to throw anything to the ring? Um, I was just scouring around the internet for secondhand stuff uh i know maybe not necessarily the best option because well not you... at all you know i know i know a little guitar shop in angering that has a fantastic old <laughs> 70s greco early 60s no no carry, carry um, on only because it got me down the sort of nostalgia um trip to my first strat which was a 2001 Fender American Lone Star Strat in Shoreline Gold. Oh, um, such a great which guitar. Which had the Seymour Duncan Pearly Gates in the bridge and then the Texas Specials in the neck and the middle. Um, fantastic guitar. And um, now I want one. So I'm currently on the hunt um, as of right now for yeah. <laughs> for, for a 2001 um, American Fat Strat. But they were great guitars. I think we've said it before. Highway 1. You know, um, that, I think there's some some great guitars that came out from Fender sort of 10, 15 years ago. I mean, there's great stuff from Fender now, so it depends whether you want to go new or secondhand, but there's definitely some secondhand bargains out there to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and get something with lace sensors in, you know, uh, like, <laughs> like like this um, Fender American 89 standard Strat in graffiti yellow with um, three lace sensor golds in it. Um, I bet that sounds... absolutely brilliant (laughs) anemic i did notice actually that um on a a guitar shop website at the moment there is an fsr player is it a player that's got basically it hasn't got lace sensors in but it's got lace looking pickups just like solid white colors i'm like yep yeah i did i i did see that yeah 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 very Perfect. nice. Very nice. Now, uh, now that actually does bring us to the the end of this week's free episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Uh, you can, of course, listen to an entire extra episode of Guitar Nerds every week over on our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You can also find it in the description of this podcast episode. Now, this week on the Patreon, we're continuing our gear of the Decade series, where we're totting up the best bits from 2010 through to 2019. Then, of course, at the end of this series, we're going to have to decide what is the best bit of gear of the entire decade. 
Now, to become a Patreon supporter, it costs you only a dollar a month and you can enjoy the podcast ad-free and early every week. But to get access to things like Gear of the Decade, well, that's $5. And you can enjoy the entire extra episode every week, plus you get access to our entire back catalogue, which has got loads of lovely things on it. And you also have the $10 tier, where you get all of that stuff, plus you become an executive producer, um, which means that I shall sing your song in the Guitar Nerd song... That I'll sing shortly. <laughs> that, that was clear. Good. Yes, absolutely. Clear. So you I can't can jo- believe it. We've we've pre-recorded, so like I can hang up on you lot now. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, this it's is quality. I, I was thinking because we're we're actually listener. We normally record the Patreon episode after we've done the main one, but in order to get sort of the full argumentativeness uh, out of Gear of the Decade, we did them all in kind of one or two-ish sessions. Well, for was, the, I think it was four sessions. Yeah, four, four sessions. But it means that we're not doing them at the moment. I've realised that I have no idea when the last one airs. So I need to check before an episode. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, listen to Gear of the Decade. And actually, it would have finished weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> so should, yeah, to, we should probably <laughs> plan that out. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, it's, it's, it's 2032. Like, <laughs> Gear of the Decade finished. Yeah, exactly. But you can follow us on all the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds and join the Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Goodbye. Cheers, Bye. Skip it up, Michael Hall, Brian Hanson, Jeffrey Wax, Eric Hammer, Mario Turan, Brian Einsler, Gavin Vanderlinden, and Jacob McGee. Pi, Mark Hizau, Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Newton, Rob Bastow, Christian Lomanson, Keith Adams, Eric Fallon, Andrew Good, Naren Peters, Richard Sudworth, Jacob Warren, Jamie Kemp. powers the world's best podcasts. 
Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.